Welcome to Midrash. My name is Travis Eads, the Associate Pastor at Forefront Church in Manhattan. Today's episode is a conversation I had with Derek Flood, author of one of my favorite books this past year, Disarming Scripture, Cherry-Picking Liberals, Violence-Loving Conservatives, and Why We All Need to Learn to Read the Bible Like Jesus Did. Hey, before we jump into the conversation that I had with Derek, I'd love for you to get to support Midrash NYC. Whether you've been listening since the beginning or you're one of our recent subscribers, we thank you for being a part of this conversation. There are a few ways that you can help us spread the word. First of all, you can rate and review us on iTunes or whatever your favorite podcast app is. Secondly, you can help us with finances. This podcast is underwritten by Forefront Church, and you can visit forefrontnyc.com give, click on the drop-down box in the top right, and select Midrash NYC. By doing that, you can give a one-time gift or make it a recurring gift and support the ongoing work that we're doing here with Midrash and bring you quality conversations week in and week out. Last week, we heard from Justin Lee, who is the third and final speaker in our FCQ Faith, Culture, and Questions series last fall. We've got some pretty exciting news for FCQ this coming fall, so stay tuned with further updates of how you can be a part of what's going on. All right, on to today's conversation with Derek Flood. Enjoy. So the first question that I wanted to ask you is, um, when you uh, wrote this book, what are some of the things that motivated you to get into developing uh, disarming scripture? What are some of the things that you were experiencing? Were there some frustrations in your personal life or some inspirations in your personal life that um, compelled you to write this book? So, yeah, the story of the book is I was in seminary and I was um, translating the Bible just to, you know, kind of get my chops with like, you know, Hebrew and Greek and stuff. So I was just like... Both? You did Hebrew and Greek? Yeah. Oh, man, you're such an overachiever, man. (laughs) I did Greek, but I I wasn't smart enough for Hebrew, so... Yeah, Hebrew is hard. Greek is way easier. It's backwards. Anyway, um, (laughs) not that Hebrew is very easy, but but anyway, so I'm reading through, and I'm just... Oh, I thought, I'm just going to translate all the Psalms from Hebrew. And so, and I don't know how... I I don't don't know if it was that, or if it was the... um, Just where I was in my life. I mean, I'd read the Psalms before, and yet somehow I, maybe it was because I was going over like every single word one at a time, but I started to really see the parts in the Psalms that I maybe would have before kind of just skipped over and been like, oh, you know, keep reading and then get to the good part and like, ooh, underline this or mm-hmm. highlight this. And then you kind of uh, get a little bit yucky again. And you know, like the prophets are very much like that for me. They're like super fantastic. And then you're like, oh my goodness, what are you saying? And then super fantastic again, mm-hmm. except for now I'm like noticing it and like really staying with it. And I'm going oh my goodness, there's some really awful stuff in here where they're like praying for the death of their enemies and cursing (laughs) them. And, you know, these, the, I think they're called like the imprecatory Psalms and where it's basically means Psalms of cursing. And, and I was like, and, and and it was, I was noticing too, it's like, it's not like a, oh, he had a bad day. He needs to repent of that. He's like super proud of it and saying, see God, how I'm hate my enemies. Aren't you pleased with me? And I'm like, whoa, this is like really oh, different yeah, than dude. love your enemies. And then I start looking further and I'm, and I'm reading all this stuff that I guess I must have glossed over. Cause you know, the way most people read the Bible, um, is they read the new Testament Psalms, maybe a little bit of the prophets, kind of <laughs> skip the whole, you know, Exodus first and second Samuel kind of stuff. 
And, but when you actually read every single part of it, you're like, whoa, there's like genocide in here. There's like, you know, infanticide, infanticide. There's, you know, at least implied cannibalism. Um, and so it's like, whoa. And I'm reading all this. And so I'm, and I'm having a struggle with that, you know, and, and I'm, I'm kind of trying to figure out how can this book, which is, you know, my Bible, my, at least one point of contact with, with God, you know, not, not that it is God, but it's like a window to God. It's like, it's like, it's like, you know, my phone is to you now. It's like, you know, I'm, I'm like, I'm, I'm reading the Bible and I'm, and I'm encountering Jesus and I'm feeling God's love. And that's why I had that. Everything's like, you know, green and yellow and blue highlighter and all over the place. And yet here's at the same time, I'm finding this stuff where I'm like, what? And so I'm really struggling through that. And there's a certain point where I, um, you know, I hit this realization where I see that Paul in, um, I think it was Romans where I first noticed it, is taking Old Testament passages and completely flipping the meaning of them, like using them completely out of context. So he's taking a passage which originally meant something along the lines of, um, you know, really bad stuff for Gentiles, how God is just going to destroy them and wrath and hate. Right. And he's quoting it so as to say, God has this wonderful mercy towards Gentiles. And I'm going, and I noticed that and I was like, wait, maybe this is like a, I, I, fe- I felt like I had discovered this really valuable thing that was allowing me to find a way to make sense of, of that anomaly that I was finding. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, and then I, but it was at the same time kind of crazy, the idea that Paul would like purposely misquote something, you know? And so I just started digging into that and digging into that and really thinking through that and thinking through, can we do that too? What does that mean? How does that work? Um, you know, and, and how is, and then ask myself the question, how is Paul reading scripture? How is Jesus reading scripture? How am I reading scripture as from my evangelical roots in a different way? And maybe I need to learn how to read it the way that they are. What, mm-hmm. are, they, what are they doing that allows them to see this loving God and not see the God who hates his enemies? Yeah, man. Oh. So you noticed it in Paul before you noticed it in Jesus. I did. Did reading it in Paul then cause you to look for it in the Gospels and the teachings of Jesus? Kind of. So what's I guess what's unusual about me in that sense is I've always kind of found it easier to get Paul than to get Jesus. That's so you know, interesting Paul, to me. Yeah. Paul, I know. I realize I, as I to me it's like really obvious, and yet I know I recognize there's lots of other people who are like, well, that's the exact opposite of yeah, me. yeah. But I'll read Jesus, and he'll say stuff like go and give everything you have to the poor and then also be the first to be the last, but the last to be the first. And, like, <laughs> and I'll be like, what? what are you talking about? You're totally like, right, man. Jesus is like Yoda half the time. He's, he's totally like that. And, yeah. and so I relate when this, when the, all the disciples are all going, wait, but didn't that wait, what? I'm, I, that's how I feel. <laughs> Jesus half the time. I'm like, what are you talking about? I know it's good, but I just don't get it. And so I read Paul and I get it. And then, and, and I get that, like, wait, this is really good. I get this. And then I look back over to Jesus and I go, hey, you're saying the same thing. Cool. Okay. I think I get this. You know, but I, but for example, one thing that Jesus does is he tries to mess with people, right? He's like, yes. Hey, who's, whose picture is this? And whose coin is on this? All right. Then you figure it out. Like, and so he kind of provokes. And so he doesn't say, look, let me explain this to you in five chapters. It goes like this. That's Paul. And Jesus is more like, 
let me let me throw a wrench into that, you know, and, and then so cool. and then walk away when you want to kill me. Yeah. yeah, he's like Jesus is like the original <laughs> drop the mic guy. He oh yes, and I, I find that really interesting because you you also mentioned that you were struggling reading some of the stuff in the Bible because of your evangelical roots. Can you talk a little bit about your background? Okay. I have a pretty classical poster boy evangelical background, and um, I came from kind of a non-religious home. And when I was in, I guess, high school, um, I had this born-again experience. Um, I like to joke afterwards. It was this thing where I I, I didn't come from that background. Mm-hmm. And so... I had this encounter with God where I was just flabbergasted. Everyone's like, Oh yeah, you had that thing. And I'm like, what do you mean that thing? Mm -hmm. You know, that's, and, and so, so I had this encounter with God where I didn't know before that, you know, God existed and was real and communicative and, and could, you know, show his love to you and everything. So I was just like mind bogglingly blown away. I just could like barely utter like awesome because it was just so powerful and meaningful to me. And then I would go and I would tell people about it and I wouldn't quite say it quite the right way for them. And they'd be like, Oh, well, hmm, can you pray the sinner's prayer with me? Cause I, you know, the word <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't do it right. And you know, I was, and then I was like, yeah, sure. I'll pray any prayer with you. Cause I love God so much and sure. I'll repent of any random thing you asked me to. And so I'd pray that prayer and then, um, they, they'd be a super happy and I'd be super happy and then I go tell the next person, you know, about what happened. And I tell the original story, the real one, and then they'd be uncomfortable again. And then they'd, oh my gosh, they'd ask me to pray the sinner's prayer with them again. And I'd be like, sure. <laughs> and I pray with them again. And they'd be like, yay. And, and so I think I've been born again, like at least 15 times. Yeah, man. I, I so, went like seven years in a row. I went down forward at youth camp. Uh, all right. Yeah, well, then, yeah, we, we have to like, have like a more born again <laughs> than thou. <laughs> So I was in a, for a while. I was in a, a Pentecostal church, and then from there, kind of moved over to sort of a vineyardy church. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I think that now I'm pretty. Let's say this: if you called me progressive, I wouldn't think it was an insult. Right. Yeah. I'd, I'd be like, "Yep." Yeah. Um, and so I'm I'm very not Republican mm-hmm. and very not conservative. Yeah. Um, but I still really deeply relate to the whole and I'm deeply thankful. The, it was at that conservative place that I found that vital, real relationship with, with, with God and Christ. I'm so thankful for that. I think that's why I was so intrigued and so sucked into disarming scripture, because even your tagline, which I don't want to mess it up, but it's something about cherry picking liberals and violence loving conservatives. Yes, I love that because... See if I can insult everybody with one blow. (laughs) (laughs) But it did kind of, for me, immediately disarm um, disarm me because I saw that you weren't putting on a certain color Jersey. You were, you were trying to uh, set the table for people from these polar opposite sides of the theological spectrum to come and sit at the same table and engage in the conversation. Would That's that my hope. My hope yeah. is, and you know, the, 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 the title is, I hope funny. I, I think it's funny. It makes I, me laugh. I laugh. It's, so, it's, it's just so in your face that I just makes me laugh. <laughs> but 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 yeah. I mean, the the ultimate goal is is not to provoke or upset, but to be a peacemaker. Yeah, man. And and we've definitely benefited 
from that goal as a church and as a staff and as individuals. And me personally, I've benefited from that goal a ton. So one thing that there is, it's sort of like a, a balance. There's, there's what I would describe as the, the telos or the, the, as another, it's a fancy word for the goal. The goal mm-hmm, of scripture mm-hmm. as a Christian is to lead you to Christ. Mm-hmm. Like Christ is like the telos. Christ is the goal of the whole thing. And, um, and then also in a different, saying it a different way, the goal of scripture, I think as Jesus read it is, is love that it's supposed to be a good thing that leads to love. Like it, and that matters because it's not just that here is this law, the end, but this law is intended to lead towards love and that Jesus would even go so far as he wouldn't, Paul is the one who kind of like purposely misquotes stuff, but Jesus is the one who purposely breaks scripture. Like he'll, he'll be like, yeah, I know it's a lot to do this, yeah. you know, but well, like this, he, he's, he's in, in a confrontational way. Like he's the one who does stuff like saying, um, Hey, is it, is it lawful or unlawful to heal on the Sabbath? And as they're kind of going, Oh, let's debate this. He's like, well, watch me do it right now in front of all of you. <laughs> yeah. and, and you could talk about it afterwards, but I'm healing this guy right now. So too bad. And, and so he's challenging these, these questions of interpretation. And basically his, his thing is what the interpretation that's right is the one that allows me to be loving. That's the right interpretation. Yeah. So that's kind of the, the goal or the direction it's going in. And yet at the same time, what's difficult is sometimes people read the Bible like it's written by one author. Yeah. Right. And I, and I know that it's, in some sense you'd be like, well, God's the one author. But the thing is, is if you look at the Old Testament, people are clearly disagreeing with each other about who God is, even up to, is there one God or is there a bunch of gods? Yeah, or, yeah. or is God evil or is God only good? You know, and like, and, and, and you have the New Testament, the Old Testament disagreeing with each other that people are kind of aware of that. But even within the Old Testament, you have different books with different perspectives that see things in different ways. And so it's just not true to read it like, like you're reading a novel and what is the author trying to do? Like is one author is all on purpose. Mm-hmm. And what you have is you have a collection of writings from people over long spans of time from, you know, who, who really disagree with each other. And so in that sense, the narrative could be described as kind of like a, through struggle and conflict, we arrive at truth kind of thing, mm-hmm. as opposed to there's this one party line we have and we're just teaching this to you. Like that just mm-hmm. isn't what's happening. Right. Totally. And, and so it's, and so if you have a narrative, it's kind of like the, in a way it's almost like, rather than being like my story is once upon a time, this and half, it's more like, here's the messiness of my life. And somehow there's a story in there with ups and downs and, mm-hmm. you know, victories and failures. And so, it, but it's, it's in that, it's in that argument. That's the mm-hmm. thing that I kind of got from Brueggemann is that, is that scripture is characterized by discord and argument. And yeah. yet somehow in that kind of maybe the way that you guys are kind of trying to like ask questions and work it out together and people have different views and don't agree that that's a good thing. And what's amazing about that too is, is that the fact that that's allowed to be in the Bible, like, like think about Job. That, that We're in a series on Bible. Job right now. That's what was coming to mind. And then he yeah. says stuff that, you know, me, Mr. Faithful Questioning Guy, well, I don't agree with him that, that God is a sadistic torturer. I think he's right. wrong about that. And it's something kind of amazing that you have a, a canon that says, we're going to keep that book in it, mm-hmm. as opposed to saying, we're going to just remove that book. Job's out of the canon. 
And, you know, like that we almost want to have that kind of thing where we're just going to like censor stuff and like, we'll remove that Psalm and we'll remove that line and we'll remove this book, but they keep it all. How do you engage with people who are terrified that you're taking away the, the foundation of their faith by asking these faithful questions? One of the things that I, that I did is I began with Jesus, right? I don't just want to begin with, you know, we should ask questions, but I want to begin with, look, let's look at what Jesus is doing. Let's observe that he's doing that. And then it's kind of, you know, I think a, a, a given that, well, we'd want to read the Bible the same way that Jesus does. Yeah. Follow Jesus. And so that's, that's a really important part of the book that it's not just how to ask questions, but let's look at what Jesus is doing. Observe he's doing mm, that. Mm-hmm. Like I kind of work through that. I, I don't, I don't just jump right into asking questions. I kind of right. work through, you know, let's look what Jesus is doing and how he's doing that. And let's also look what Paul's doing. So it's cause otherwise you get the, well, Jesus can do that, but he's, but, but you know, he's the son of God. He's God, God incarnate. And, <laughs> and that's why Paul matters. Cause you're like, well, Paul's a mere mortal like me and yeah. he's doing it too, yeah. you know? And, and so, and of course, then you get the, well, he's an apostle and you're not. <laughs> so there's always right. the, the trump card. But anyway, um, but seeing that, and also, but then beyond that too, is it is, this is a really important thing too, is I want to stress, there was, um, I don't know if you're familiar with the emergent movement, mm-hmm. but it was, and it was, it was really big, like, uh, I don't know, a few years back, but like Dan Kimball and, um, yeah, yeah. And, mm-hmm. and, and, and. And it was, there was the big theme there was deconstruction. Right. Yeah. Right. Deconstructing everything. And if you just deconstruct stuff, then you are left with nothing. Rubble. You're left with, with you know, a construction zone. Right. Yeah. And, and so it's not just about, you know, tearing down everything. You've got to build something back up again. Yeah, man. You know? And, and other, you know, and, and so I think it's really important to remember that the, the point is not just to ask questions, but to ask questions motivated by compassion, mm. right? Asking questions in order to, you know what you're trying to go for. You know the answer. The answer is to be loving, mm-hmm. right? And then the question is, how do I get there? What do I need to do? And, and, and if I need to question an interpretation, if I need to question a book um, in the Bible, if I need to question a statement, that's what I'm doing. I'm, I'm saying, hey, is this hurting someone? Is that is that right? You know, and, and we all do that to some degree, right? We all like, like a, a, a really easy example is Jesus says, if your if your hand causes you to sin, then chop it off. You mm-hmm. know, and you could be like, Hey, everybody raise your hands. If you follow that command and oh, right. you have hands. So I guess you didn't, you know, greet and, each other with a holy kiss. That did not happen at my church in Kentucky when I was a no. kid. <laughs> <laughs> that wouldn't be as bad as chopping off the hand. <laughs> Fair enough. Or gouging out the eyes. So a couple of kids would probably be okay. But anyway, yeah, so so we are kind of going, oh, well, he didn't mean that, you know, and of course not that. So we're already doing that. Right. You know? Um, and yeah, so so that's 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 a really important point, I think, is that or thing to remember to help people with is to say, look, we're not trying to tear things down. We're trying to ask what what is loving. And, and that's what we're all, we're all doing that. We all have been doing that, you know, it's, but it's about kind of doing that maybe a little bit more on purpose. How do you balance conviction and faith with dealing with the fact that people have a ton of anxiety about that? And you've already talked about that a little bit, but. Well, the thing is, it's not like it's like the alternative is, is safe. 
right? So it's not like、mm-hmm. if you just stay with the program, you can't make a mistake, right? That's right. Not, it's 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 really the either way you have a potential to be wrong. Mm-hmm. Um, and a potential, and that wrong could be even something that really hurts you, right?、Mm-hmm. So it's it's not it's not like so like one example I give in the book is people who、um, are told by you know um, Christian um, um, people writing about about parenting to to hit their kids. And, yes, and they're, and they're not. There's also a really big difference between. Hitting your kids because you decide that you want to do that, and you kind of feel this is this is enough and not too much, versus sort of this thing of someone going, "I don't want to do this, but I feel like I have to, so I'm going to ignore my conscience, ignore that I feel this is wrong, ignore that the reaction seems bad, but I'm just going to like that's like such a potential for abuse. Yeah, you even, for sure. Like you don't even have a gauge of like being like, "Hey, that was too much." It's like, no, this is the Lord says to do this, and. And I have people who've read the book who said, "Like, yeah, that was me. I did that with my kids, and I'm glad they're okay now. But I really regret that because it was、yeah. really wrong to do that. That was like my responsibility as a parent is to. I, that's on me. I, I'm the parent. I'm supposed to be caring for them, and I did what somebody else said the Bible said to do with that whole unquestioning obedience thing. And I really regret that I did that. Now I wish that I had the 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 gumption to say, 'Hey, no.'" I'm not going to do that, right? And, and so that's an example of following the rules, and you still hurt people. Yeah, you know. And, and so it's not, <laughs> and so it's not like there's a way to avoid that, unfortunately. And there's always repentance, you know. So if we'd follow the wrong trajectory for ten years, and we recognize that, then how about we repent and, you know, I mean, and redirect. The, the the church had slaves for quite a long time、yeah. after the New Testament before they repented of that one. So and there's lots of stuff. There's lots of stuff in the history of the church and in the history of our lives that we've needed to repent of. So it's good that that's like a central tenet of our faith, you know, the, to be able to repent because I think we're going to need to. Yeah, yeah, man. Well said. I that's you've got my mind spinning right now because I I think and it's a good thing because I think that.、Um, It's important for us to continue engaging in these questions as as you know pastors or leaders or authors or or, or thought leaders because this is the head spin that people are going to go through when they start engaging in faithful questioning and and I think it's good to experience it so that you can come alongside people and and, and do it together、right? do、that's, it together、really、community yeah to together and the big thing too is that you're not saying in an authoritarian way. We've questioned all this, and here's all the answers we have. <laughs> you must accept these answers. What you're, is, trying do, yeah. you're trying to empower them to say, "Hey, don't listen to me. Think for yourself. Be an adult, you know, and be a moral adult, and 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 ask these questions with us together." Yeah, that's so much different than than the top down. This is the answer. You better like it. Where you kind of just infantilize everybody else. Yeah. So, would you say that that is the operative hope for not only the book, but this whole entire conversation about faithful questioning is empowerment versus infantilizing people? Yeah, absolutely. Cool, man. I love it. I love it. Thanks a lot, man. And I hope that we can do this again. Awesome. Well, it was a pleasure talking with you. Yeah, And, man.、Uh, thanks, Derek. I really appreciate it. You bet. Thank you so much for listening. We're glad that you are a part of this conversation. Don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review. Give support to our podcast. Talk to you next week.